Welcome to the sermon podcast feed of Liberty Church Collingswood, where we want to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in Collingswood and surrounding boroughs, or wherever God has placed you. Find us at libertycollingswood.org. Part of our mission is preaching sermons, so here you go. Keep in mind that these messages are designed to bring the timeless message of Jesus to bear in specific contexts to specific people, the whole eternal word, changing worlds thing. Would you hear good news here? Bon appétit. Well, I'm going back to my roots being up here on this pulpit. I grew up in an Italian Catholic family for many years in the city. Um, well, it's great to be here. Really thankful to be at Liberty Collingswood, to be a part of the Liberty Communion. Uh, it's a great blessing. We, we see God at work in some really powerful ways that we can all be a part of something larger than ourselves. Um, that's, that's what the goal is in being part of the communion. So as Jim said, I'm the pastor at Bridge Community Church. We're meeting at Westminster Seminary. We started in 2006. Prior to that, I was a pastor at New Life Presbyterian, originally in Jenkintown and then in Glenside. So I've been a pastor for 37 years. Um, and uh, over that time, I've seen God do wonderful things. And today I'll share some of those stories with you as I go into the Word of God. But I do want to introduce, I have my wife here. My wife Barbara is here. And we're married 43 years, four children and 12 grandchildren. And my mother-in-law, who's still a missionary at 98, is here. Her name is Rosemary Miller. And uh, it's a blessing to have her here with us also. Uh, Currently, uh, not only am I pastor at Bridge, but I am now the leader and I don't want to use the director yet, but moving towards probably being a director of uh, Liberty Global. Um, I don't know if you know this, but you are a part of a communion that has missionaries and mission partners in over 14 countries across the globe. Did you know that you're a part of that? How amazing is that? Huh? It's an amazing thing. As being a part of that, two Thursdays ago, um, at 10 o'clock in the morning, I was in a meeting, a Zoom meeting, with a pastor who was in a closed country in the Middle East. In 2015, this particular town in this country was completely decimated by ISIS, and all the Christians were persecuted. About a year later, the government was able to take over this area again, and they were to reestablish themselves. And the mayor of that town said to this pastor, this town is missing God. We need you to be here and proceeded to give him ground right in the middle of the town. Today, there's a church standing there. Um, And here I am talking to this pastor who struggled for years and years with six to ten people, and now there's a harvest, there's an explosion. There's over 100 brothers and sisters who are now Christians. And what was he asking for? He wasn't asking for money. He was asking for discipleship material. How can we disciple these new believers? Help us. Help us to do that. That is a part of what we are a part of together. The spreading of God's kingdom. Now, you know, how does a city kid from North Philadelphia (laughs) um, have a conversation with a pastor in the Middle East? 
that has impact on the eternal destiny of people. People I'll never see or know. Well, maybe I can say it was the influence of my father-in-law. My father-in-law started World Harvest Mission, which is now Surge. It has over 300 missionaries in it. But, but not really. My father-in-law came from the backwoods of Oregon. Neither one of us were in families that thought so much about traveling or even had the capability of traveling across the globe. And yet, here we were, both having the privilege and the joy of bringing a message that can impact the eternal destiny of people in many, many cultures. What's made this possible? What has made this possible? Well, it has been us being compelled by the Holy Spirit to step into God's heart for the nations. And today, I want to encourage you to see and step into the joy of God's heart for the nations. And that's where I want to bring the word to you today. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to pray. I'm not going to read the Acts passage there. I'm going to read it in the context of the sermon, and you don't need to stand when that comes up. But let me just pray for the illumination of the Holy Spirit now as we come to the word of God this morning. Father, I just want to thank you so much for your love and mercy towards us. And Holy Spirit, I want to come now and cry out for illumination that we together, as your inspired word comes to us this morning, would have our minds and hearts illumined as only you can, that we might see, we might see with the eyes of the Spirit, your call, your mercy, your love, your heart for the nations, and we would be, Lord, brought in this amazing privilege and joy together. Come now, Holy Spirit, and illumine this time. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. So where does God's heart for the nations start? It starts in Genesis and it runs through Revelation. It's throughout God's word. You know, it's interesting. Genesis starts with about an 11-chapter introduction before it gets to chapter 12 where God chooses Abram. And just at the end, just at the end of 11, we see something unbelievably powerful happen. And it's this idea of God giving languages to people. And I'm going to read from Genesis 11, 5 through 9. Let me just read this word to you. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from all over the earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Here's where we get the nations. Here we get people scattered across the whole earth. And then in Genesis 12, what does God do? He chooses one person named Abram from out of all these people and says, I'm going to make you a nation. And here's where his two-sided emphasis comes in. I'm going to make you a nation. I'm going to bless you as a nation, but you are going to be a blessing to the other nations. You're going to be blessed to be a blessing. That's sort of the principle 
that we're looking at as we look at God's heart for the nations today. And, and this is what he says in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. Now listen to these words. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. God's people are blessed to be a blessing to the nations. Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. That's an amen. See, this is the original Great Commission. And it reveals God's heart for the nations, which we see again and again in the Old Testament. So we see him making this covenant with Abraham, who later becomes Abraham. And then he makes it to his son Isaac, in Genesis 26, and then he makes it to Jacob, who's the father of the 12 tribes of the nations of Israel, in Genesis 28, and then King David expresses this emphasis in 1 Chronicles, and it's repeated throughout the Psalms. Listen to the words of Isaiah, chapter 20, verses 6 and 7. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine the best of meats, and the finest of wines. On this mountain he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people, the sheet that covers all nations. Do you see the heart of God being expressed here? It's interesting, in Ezekiel 5.5, God says he set Jerusalem in the center of the nations. Now, if you know anything about the ancient world, you know that the, the trade routes from the east and west traveled straight through the Middle East, and Jerusalem was right in the center. So there were merchants coming and merchants going from all over the world, and they were hearing stories of Israel's God, of their deliverance at the Red Sea, of the cloud of fire in the wilderness, of David and Goliath, of Samson. And this continued until the time of Jesus' birth. Zechariah prophesies that the baby in Mary's womb is going to be a light to the nation. Jesus reaches out as he's on this earth and blesses people from other nations, the centurion, the woman at the well, the Canaanite woman. And see, this expression of God's heart is continued through the New Testament. After his resurrection, Jesus spent 40 days with his disciples. And what we know is, is that he talked to them for most of that time about the kingdom of God. And there was an emphasis in that where God spoke through him about the hearts of the nations. Luke 24, 45 to 47, he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. What scriptures were they going to understand? What well, had to be the Old Testament? He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Now listen to these words. And repentance for, for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And then we have the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Then Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And just before Jesus ascended into heaven, he says these words from Acts 1, 
verses 4 through 6. Or 8, I'm sorry. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power from the Holy Spirit, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. How powerful is that? And after Jesus said these words, He's taken up. He's ascended to heaven. And the disciples are still looking up, and the angel says to them, what are you doing? Get with it. And what do they do? They go into Jerusalem. They go into a room, and they begin to pray. And what we know is they prayed for 10 days. They prayed for 10 days. And Luke tells us in Acts 2 that all of a sudden, the wind of the Spirit blows, tongues of fire appear, and everyone starts speaking, and as they're speaking, people who have different languages are understanding them. Imagine that. I had one of my great friends say to me when I was on the street corner down in the city, and it was a Spanish-speaking area, all of a sudden I started speaking Spanish. And I didn't even know what I was saying, but people were understanding me. Now, some people looked at me cynically. I looked at him cynically. But it is what the Holy Spirit is able to do. And this is what the Holy Spirit did as people were now listening. And this is the Holy Spirit being poured out as it was promised. And what happens at this time is that Peter gets up. And Peter does what? He preaches the first gospel of good news. And he preaches it to a group of people that are God-fearing Jews. But where are they from? They're from every country. Luke and Acts 2 names 15 people groups that were there. 15 people groups from all over the world are hearing the first message, the first gospel message from Peter. And here's what we know. Everybody who heard, we, we think of like thinking about it, 3,000 people came to the Lord. This was a multilingual, international crowd. 3,000. They were going to go back into their countries and into their nations, and they were going to bring good news with them. How powerful is that? This was the birth of Jesus' church. This was the new harvest, the new Pentecost, the new covenant. And what we know from the book of Acts is that this new Pentecost feast has never ended. It is still going on. The kingdom of God continues to spread through the nations by the witness of his people. You and me, by our witness. Not superstars. You and me. Ordinary people. I love what John Stott says. It's in your reflection quotes. The kingdom of God is his rule set up in the lives of his people by the Holy Spirit. It is spread by witnesses, not by soldiers, through a gospel of peace, not a declaration of war, and by a work of the Spirit, 
not by a force of arms or political intrigue or revolutionary violence. Oh, don't we need to hear that today? Don't we need to hear that today? Political intrigue, revolutionary violence. Where is the church headed? We don't proclaim a declaration of war. We bring a gospel of peace with God. How powerful is that? Through our witness. And we saw that in the book of Acts. If you just read through the book of Acts, you see it happening. You know, there's 3,000. Then in Acts 2, it says they were added daily. And then in Acts, a little later on in Acts 5, it says there's 5,000. And then it says multitudes are being saved. And then it says people in Samaria and entire towns in Acts 9, it tells us, are being saved. Then a great number of Gentiles in Acts 11. And then finally it tells us that it even impacted Rome itself, the center of the earth, the power capital. And the gospel came and was impacting through the witness of his people. How powerful is that? And today, there is over 2.5 billion believers through the witness of God's people empowered by the Holy Spirit. 2.5 billion. Not by force, not by political intrigue, not by violence, but by the gospel of peace being lived out and witnessed by his people. Here's what John Stott says, and again, this is the second quote there. The church is the community of Jesus who have first been chosen out of the world and then sent back into the world. Mission is as fundamental to us as it was to Christ. An introverted church turned in upon itself, preoccupied with its own survival, has virtually forfeited the right to be a church, for it is denying a major part of its being. As a planet which ceases to be in orbit is no longer a planet, so a church which ceases to be a mission is no longer a church. In order to qualify for the name church, we must be a community deeply and constantly aware of our sentness and actively loyal to this part of our Christian identity. And I want to talk about that for a second. Now, I want to, I want to encourage us um, by sharing just some testimony um, and, and prayers answered, and I want you to get a sense of this in your own hearts about how God has called us into this together. Our church at Bridge, we started in 2006, and when we were starting in 2006, uh, a door opened up for me to go to Swaziland, which is now called Eswatini, and, and when we got there, we saw God at work in powerful ways. And I had people saying to me, you can't plant a church in America and be plant churches in Eswatini at the same time. Like, this just isn't the way you do church planting. And I said, well, I don't know about you, but I can't say no to what God's doing. <laughs> God's opening up the door, and, and by God's grace, we're going to walk in and, and remain faithful. And as a result of that, of course, there's, there's a... A work going on now where actually nine churches in Eswatini want to become a part of Liberty Communion in Eswatini. And um, the area we went to where kids were eating off trash heaps, there's now a school where 365 kids are now being uh, educated and sent off to high school and university. There's a well for drinking water and for crops. And 
Um, God, God is at work in powerful ways. Uh, we have our own missionaries from our church who are now over there, Mick and Kathy Sander, um, and, and they've started a work among deaf people, um, and, and God is just at work. But more than that, we, we, have, we have missionaries in uh, Tanzania. We have missionaries in Zimbabwe. We, my mother-in-law, of course, is with a work in London among Islam and Sikh and Hindus there. Um, we work with IJM, who are in our church and are now gone, Transworld Radio. Um, just, just amazing to see that we have a window into the world because of God's heart for the nations. I love it here at Collingswood. Collingswood, you have the Kims in Japan. You have Ishmael Adam in Malawi. You have Paul Carey, who's now in Romania. Um, you sent Kathy with our team. And, and it's exciting to be a part of these things, is it not? And we just sent out another uh, missionary from our Liberty Network. Her name is D Dana Sherwood, and she's now in Uganda, and she was out of Liberty Harrisburg. Uh, what a privilege and a joy to share God's heart for the nations. We have a place in the feast that never ends. Got to grab a hold of that. We have a place in the feast that never ends. And, and what we need to do is we need to fight against the temptation to want to become myopic. Right? Only focusing on ourselves. Now, here's what I want to say. It doesn't mean we don't have a heart for our neighbors or a heart for our communities. No. If you have a heart for the world, you're going to have a heart for your neighbors and you're going to have a heart for your community. God is a both-and God when it comes to that. He is not an either-or God. We miss the blessing if we become either-or rather than both-and. We miss the blessing. And so here's what I want to encourage us. You might hear me now today, and I know for some of you it's, it's a sense, it, it's, it could be overwhelming. Just one more thing. That's all I need is one more thing in my life. I don't have enough. Now you're trying to lay the guilt trip on me about missions and nations. By God's grace, I hope that's not true. I hope you're hearing that stepping into God's heart for the nations is stepping into the pleasure of God. But how then do we start getting involved? Maybe it's something you've never been involved in, but, but, but you have a sense even now through the Holy Spirit that, that I need to get involved. I, I want to get involved, but how can I do that? And here's what I want to say. The best way to start to be a blessing to the nations is to step into God's heart for the nations by prayer. That's the first thing I want to say to you, by prayer. Mark 11, 15 to 17. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. A house of prayer for all nations. See, the temple was designed to have a court for the nations. Actually, it was the largest court out of all the courts, was the court for the nations. So the people could come and pray and seek God. But it had become a marketplace. Jesus strongly reminded the people of Israel, his house was a house of prayer for the nations. Now let's take it to us. 
what do we know about ourselves? We know that if we've come to the Lord, that the Holy Spirit has entered into us, that the Holy Spirit now dwells in us. Peter tells us that we're living stones being built into a spiritual house. Paul tells us that our bodies are temples. So we are now the temple. Being the temple, God calls us to be a house of prayer for the nations. He calls us to be a house of prayer for the nations. But, and I'm sure we all can relate to this, we struggle with the third soil, do we not? We struggle. The cares of this world, the busyness of our lives, the pursuing of wealth, pleasures, pursuing of security. And there just doesn't seem to be no time for praying, let alone praying for people I don't even know. It's bad enough praying, not if I have enough time praying for my own family, let alone people I don't know. For Come on. I know nobody here feels that way. It's only the pastor that's standing up here that feels that way, right? No, we do feel that way. We feel the burden of those things. We feel the crunch of time. But here's what I want to say to us together. The Spirit is calling us back today to pray for the nations. I heard a sermon similar to this about 33 years ago. And as a result of that sermon, the Spirit really began to convict me and a couple of my friends to pray, to pray for the nations, to learn how to pray for the nations, because we had never prayed for the nations. And so I opened up my house at 5.30 in the morning. We would do this before we went to work. And we got Operation World, Patrick Jones Stone's Operation World, where he just lays out every country and all the needs. And we began to pray through it. 5.30 in the morning, 5.30 to 6.30, we began to pray through it. I will tell you, it didn't come out of its warfare. I had young kids at that time. Every Wednesday night, something happened. And Satan was saying, you guys aren't going to pray. And we were saying, no, we are going to pray. But during that time, as I was praying, the Spirit really laid heavily on me to pray for China. I don't know why. I didn't know anybody from China. Pray for China. Just laid it on my heart. Praying for China. Praying for China. About two years in, there was a New York Times article that talked about the house church movement in China, where millions of people were coming to the Lord. And I couldn't believe it. I thought to myself, I'm a part of that. I have been praying for this for two years, not knowing what was going on. And here was God doing this amazing work through a house church movement in a closed country. Millions of Chinese people were coming to the Lord. Now take it to today. It's 2023. About a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, at our church at Bridge, two Chinese girls started coming. One of them, her name is Abigail, she became a Christian in a house church in China. Her father was running that house church. How amazing is that? 33 years ago, and here I was, sitting there, what I believe was an answer to prayer. How powerful is that? And she began to explain to me what God is doing over there, how powerful it was. And she's having Bible studies with brothers and sisters in China, with Zoom. And it's just incredible, the power of praying. Oh, Eswatini, 2007, we set a tent up in this area that I was talking about. 
we began to distribute clothing and have medical clinics during the day, and then we would have evening services. The first few evenings, you know, we had hundreds of people coming out of the bush, but there was also the Sangomas coming out. The Sangomas run the villages. They are the healers, what we would call witch doctors. And they literally controlled these people. The power of darkness was so evident. Most of these people didn't sleep at night because of spells and things of that nature. And we just kept praying. We knew we were plowing hard ground. About four nights into it, we didn't see the Sagomas anymore. We're like, pretty strange. And we began preaching the gospel with, with more freedom. And as a result, when we left, there was about 150 people that had come to the Lord. We had a church that God had raised up. That was July. I came back in October with a small team, and one of the things that uh, they told me, which was amazing to me, was, you know what happened to the Sangomas? And we were like, no, what happened? They said, well, about the fourth night, when they began, it was up on a hill, they, they said when they began looking up on the hill, there was a circle of fire around the tent. And they knew that they couldn't pass through that. This was a powerful answer to prayer because out of that, there's not only one church, there's a number of churches and there's a ministry to an unreached people group, the deaf, who would have never heard the gospel. And this was the power of just praying for God to be at work. Powerful. That same place I talked about in 2015 that now has the church. How powerful is that? That in the middle of this area, ice is only 30 miles away. And right in the middle there is a church with a huge lit cross. And God is at work in powerful ways. This is being a part of nature. But it's just praying. As people pray, you become a part of that. So that's, that's what I want to encourage you to do on your uh, in your pews, there are some, um, what I have is an outline of our Liberty missionaries and our Liberty Global partners. And if you want to take it and start praying for them, it's just a great way to get started. You can just start praying through that list. Maybe you're in a small group and you want to adopt missionary. Um, you know, all you need to do, Derek Dalrymple is here. Derek is a part of our missions team, our Liberty Global missions team. You can go to Derek and tell him that you're interested in doing this and he'll connect you with those missionaries. You can have Zoom meetings with these missionaries. You can find out what's going on. You can be praying with them and talking with them, becoming a part of their care team. It's an amazing world we live in now. You don't take a coffin oven anymore. You start praying and you start doing Zoom and the next thing you know you're talking to people over there. What a blessing that God has given us. But maybe this is a way that you can get involved. Maybe your family wants to do something like this. I want to encourage you uh, in July, we'll be offering again another summer team to Eswatini. We would love for some of you to come over. Kathy was there. Kathy was a blessing. It was great to have us with us. And actually, this is the next part. You also have invitations there for November 5th. November 5th, that evening, from 6.30 to 8 at our church, Bridge Community, which meets at Westminster Seminary, we're having our first Liberty Global Celebration. Kathy's going to be giving a testimony that night. Maybe some of you might want to come, but others from Eswatini will be there. We're going to have our missionaries, Mick and Kathy, who are there. We're also having missionaries from Romania, the Viskies, and also from South Asia, the Paul Rajas, all going to be there. You can get to meet and greet and get to know and know what the vision uh, going forward. There will be a dessert reception afterward, but I encourage you, please come. Become a part of it. 
get a sense of what it's like. Get that, get that feeling of stepping into God's heart for the nations. Um, it's one of the things I want to do. I want to encourage our brothers and sisters here in our Liberty Churches that we're a part of something so much bigger. And he gives us the privilege of stepping in to his pleasure as we step into praying for the nations, encouraging the missionaries, maybe even supporting some missionaries, of going ourselves, of bringing a teenager with me so that the two of us intergenerationally can do something together. And Ebenezer, they'll never forget. My kids went with us. My daughter was 16. She had a boyfriend. She didn't want to go. She told the whole neighborhood. My, my wife and I were taking her to South Africa where they rape people. You know, she was trying to get at us. Two weeks later, after being there, her and the whole group there were crying. They didn't want to come back. It was a lot of drama. But God was at work. He was at work in powerful ways. We had the joy of taking our whole family. We had to raise $21,000 to take our whole family over there. And God raised it up in a month. And our whole family went together. It was one of the most powerful times we've ever had just want to encourage you. God makes a way. All we have to do is our hearts willing. Let's start by praying for the nations. Let me end with this scripture from Revelation 5, verses 9 and 10. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchase for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Hallelujah. That's you and I. That's everybody who's come to the Lord before us and everybody who will come after, and we will be a part of this amazing group and being a part of being a blessing to the nations. May God grow us all in this together. May he grow the communion in this. Let me just end with prayer right now. Hey, could that have been the best sermon ever? Eh, the odds are strongly not in its favor. Still, thanks for listening, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also check out our version of a preaching after party, the post-Sunday blues, a preaching post-mortem, on the same podcast feed where you can go backstage with the sermon. Live, speak, and serve at you later.